Rediscover You podcast, hosted by Melissa Fernandez. Rediscover You is a show all about relationships, breakups, health, money, life, and more. Melissa is a multi-passionate entrepreneur, author, and relationship expert who will be bringing you a new message each week, plus interviews with conscious leaders from around the world. So let's get ready to dive into this episode of Rediscover You. Here's your host, Melissa Fernandez. I am super excited for this podcast because I want to introduce you to this incredible man. He is a former lawyer. Lloyd has three university degrees in biomedical science, business and law, and is a candidate for the level three chartered financial analyst exam. I even watched him go through this exam and oh my goodness, I did not even understand one thing he was reading. (laughs) But he has also built a million dollar share portfolio from scratch. And he is the author of the book, Money Grows on Trees, and the host of a podcast show, Money Grows on Trees, which hit number one on the charts in Australia for how to in 2021. He was also in the INBA natural bodybuilding comp winner in 2016. And he just completed his first 100K ultra marathon. But what I love the most is that he is married to my beautiful sister, Alicia, and they are the founders of the Side Hustle Secret, having built a large online network marketing business from scratch, which does 5 million in sales annually. And they have helped over 65 people create a five and six figure online side hustle following their systems too. They are now on a mission to help 1,000 people diversify their income and level up their money game in 2021. So when I wanted to do an episode about money, I couldn't think of anyone more perfect than Lloyd Ross. Lloyd! Hey, what's up? Sister-in-law, thanks for having me on the show. Hey, (laughs) brother-in-law. Love it, family show. So Lloyd, Rediscover You podcast is all about tapping into stories that are quite untold and people that may not know stuff about you. It's about taking off all your masks, becoming real, becoming raw, which I wanted to just know a little bit more about your history. What was your life like growing up? Good question. Good question. What was my life like growing up? I had a great childhood. I remember, I've got great memories of my childhood. Two loving parents. Um, and uh, my dad was successful in business. My mom was an awesome, still is an awesome mom. And she's she's been, uh, she's got great character, you know, like um, she was really good with money. My dad was really good at making money and and multiplying money and stuff like that. I get to see that. And I, had, I have three siblings. And yeah, just... Born in Tamworth in country New South Wales, moved here to the Gold Coast when I was three. Thankfully, my parents came with me. So that would have been hard if they didn't. But uh, grew up here, went to school, went to university. Yeah, had a great, great upbringing. wasn't challenging. I mean, everyone got their own little challenges as they grow up, but yeah, it was, it was good. I had, I had every opportunity. Mm. Who would you say was your role model growing up? 
Um, my dad, definitely. Wow, yeah. Why? Well, obviously my parents, both of them, uh, like my mom, obviously, but also my dad. I, I think towards the money side of things and the business and the the ambition of I want to go and do something big or whatever it might be was my dad. But then my mom keeps me grounded. So it's a nice combo. Wow, you can learn yeah. definitely a lot of lessons from both of them. Why Why would you say your dad? Well, he's a big dreamer. So he dreams big. He thinks big and he's ambitious and, and he's a hard worker. And, you know, so my mom, mom's a hard worker too. But they're both really positive. Um, but my dad, I've never really heard him talk negatively. He's really positive and can do and just doesn't take a backward step and, I guess just viewing that was that was what I modelled, you know. Like that's what I modelled. There was no excuses. I've never really heard him make an excuse. I don't think, you know. Like it's wonderful. What would you say was the number one lesson you learned from your dad? Um, I think the number one lesson is take action and don't give up. I've seen him do that a number of occasions. It blows me away. Like he just doesn't take a backward step. So just keep moving forward. I think, and and all will be well. You know, just do your best, and that's enough. And you, you, it'll work out. You, you know, this time shall pass. If you're going through challenging times, it'll pass and keep going. Just keep, mm-hmm. you know, don't quit. He really encouraged me when I first did that CFA charter exam, six-hour exam, studied for like a year for it and failed the first time. And he was on the other end of the phone. He's like, well, you know, try again. So I did it a second time, another year of studying, and then I failed a second time. And then I remember talking to him again. He's like, well, you got to go back again. And I was like, yeah, I know. So, and then I passed. And then uh, that was really nice. And he was just encouraging. But like when I was studying, he would encourage me. He would, even when I was in school, I was doing assignments on the weekend. I can't remember a time where I didn't work on the weekend in school or assignments or uni or, and he was just there like, yep, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Okay. So let's dig into some money and chat about money. Cause you can see that you growing up, you learn a lot from your parents, especially, you know, being around your dad who seemed like he had a pretty good money mindset and pour that belief into you and also was giving you a lot of value and just that encouragement and that belief. You spoke about the charter finance. How do you say it? Charter. Yeah. Chartered financial analyst. It's called the CFA charter and it's the, it's the highest level of financial um, qualification to get in the world. What made you <clears> want to get that? Um, well, I didn't know it existed, but I always, I was, I really knew at some point I did corporate finance subject when I was doing law school and I was like, I'm really not good with numbers. Like I, I was okay. I mean, I was okay with math. Like I I wasn't bad, but I was like, I really need to understand this finance stuff because I didn't understand it. And I was like, this is really important because it's hard. So I knew I was like, this is hard, which means it's important. (laughs) Uh, I need to learn it. And so I remember I was working in Abu Dhabi for a large real estate developer. And I, I was like, I really would love to know about this finance stuff and this financial modeling. I just kind of threw myself at it. And um, my boss said to me, hey, go to this financial modeling course. I'll, I'll, I'll sponsor you to do it. I'm like, sweet, thanks. And it was really challenging, but it taught me a lot. And then there's this guy that I worked with and he was the financial analyst in the building. And he was clever with numbers and everyone was going to him for all this. I was like, that's cool that he's got that power to, he's the numbers guy. And he said to me, well, I'm a CFA charter holder. I'm like, what's that? He said, chartered financial analyst. I'm like, that sounds amazing. It sounds like oh, oh, I should do that. And he's like, uh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I was like, why not? And he goes, it's really flipping hard, mate. You're going to, like, wow, what a challenge. I'm definitely going to do it now. <laughs> and I remember I just, yeah, I started it and I really bit off more than I could chew. It's the most intense study ever. Wow. And because he even said to you, 
I wouldn't do it. It probably gave you a fire in your belly to be like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. So if you can't do it, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> Love it. And what do you think would be a lesson that you learned from doing that exam? Well, the lesson was focus. It was being able to achieve something that I'd failed at and stepping back up to the plate to complete it. Um, sacrifice. So I was studying for that exam in my room in, in Dubai while my friends were in Brazil partying. And I was like, oh, my God, that's just so brutal. But I was like, this has got to pay off somewhere because it's hard and it's sacrifice. I'm like, it has to pay off. And then all those years later, it's paying off now. So what's that, 10 years ago, 12 years ago? So yeah. I, there's those lessons of sacrifice will pay off. If you, do what, if you are prepared to do what others want, you'll have what they don't have. And that is exactly what's happening now. Mm. So fast forward to 10 years now, how has that made that difference in your life? Well, learning numbers and becoming an analyst is I'm able to look at things quite quickly and understand whether they're a good investment or not or whether they're worth my time or not. And having those skills really has helped me to do that. So like, for example, I can look at an investment now and see if it's any good. I can uh, understand stocks really well. I understand the economics quite well enough to know how to frame that with what I'm doing in my businesses and, and my investments. And it's allowed me to have this such a high level of financial knowledge Again, I'm not the best, but a high enough amount that I've been able to write a book about money and then write courses and, and, and coach me on millionaire mindset mentorship programs and really teach people about finance and money and investing and stuff like that. So I took that for granted. Like when I was learning, I was like, how is this ever going to help me? But it is now because I've turned it into a business. So that, that's how it's helped. It's been tremendous. It's been really worthwhile. Great wow. investment. What, what actually got you into investing? Uh, good question. So... I read this book, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when I was in school, my, my English teacher, funny place to learn about money in English, but he said, go read this book. So I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome to learn about money. It seems to me like all the people that are rich are really happy. So I was like, uh, that, that, that sounds like a good idea. I didn't want to be, he actually said to us, I'm driving this you know, clunky car. I don't have much money. I wish I had read this book when I was a kid. I'm like, I'm taking that advice. I'm taking it on the back. I'm going to do that because I don't want to be like this dude, right? And so I love him for that. His name was Mr. Barber grade 11 teacher. Anyway, so I read that book and I was like, okay, I learned about money. I'm like, can I get you some savings now? So when I started working, I was like, okay, I've got some savings, got some savings. Now, how am I going to grow this money? And real estate was way too expensive then. I was like, I don't really have half a million. Like how am I, there must be a better way. And I'm in the airport one day. And um, at that point, everyone had told me stocks are risky. Stocks are risky. It's gambling. Oh, you can lose all your money. And that was my, that was my paradigm. That's what I grew up with. And most Aussies are like that. But I was in the airport and I come across this book and it's called The Snowball by this guy called, you know, it's a story about this guy called Warren Buffett. And he was the best investor of all time in stocks. I'm like, this guy, he's probably the person I need to learn off, right? If I want to learn this stuff. So I picked up this book and when I read it, it made sense. I was like, oh my God, that's so simple. That makes absolute sense. And then we started my love affair with stocks. I was like, this is what I can do. So I started with like three grand and I invested in a little uh, a bank, uh, Westpac Bank. And I remember getting paid my first dividend check. It was like a hundred bucks. I was like, wow, I can finally invest small amounts of money and get some back. I've found it. Eureka. I've got it. And then that's what kicked it off. Wow. I love it. Say if I was brand new and I'm just looking into investing myself now and looking at the avenue of stocks, what would be your tip on where to start? Well, you could tune into my podcast would be probably a good place. Uh, I'd be crazy if I, didn't, if I didn't plug that because that's what I do talk about. And my book, you know, it's only five bucks. A lot of people read my book and they go, wow, it really framed it for me what that makes sense. You explain index funds, that makes sense. And that's where I start. The basics, 
but that's a good place to start. And then I think Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki is good. And then The Snowball by Warren Buffett. That's the book I read uh, in the airport that anyone can pick up and read. And I think that's the best beginner's book because it's story-based how he did it. And I think it explains things so well. Mm, good. I love it. And I've read your book too, and I absolutely love your book. I think it's one of the best money books I ever read. I was remember the reading the part about the money archetypes, and I was like, this makes so much sense. Can you give us a little sneak peek into yeah. the money archetypes? Yeah, so I learned this off a mentor, uh, and I thought I knew a lot about money. And the thing with money, it's actually about money and me, like money and your mind. Like it's not just about money. It's actually about you, like about yourself. And so it's behavioral mostly, and that's what people don't realize. They think it's all knowledge-based, but it's actually behavioral. How you approach money is a personality thing, and that's why sometimes if you don't have money or you, you, you the way you approach it is all, all to do with your behavior and your background. So there's these things that he taught me called the money archetypes and there's four main archetypes. And uh, the first one is the spender. And the spender is someone who's got pretty well no money left at the end of the month. And they, they, they spend a lot. They've got no dot. They've got no money in their account. They live paycheck to paycheck and they love, you know, giving gifts and buying things. They get a lot of satisfaction from retail therapy, buying stuff, the dopamine hits they get. So that's the first. <laughs> that's <He's>, me. <laughs> are you, you know, and and uh, my wife is your sister. She's the same, a spender archetype, which is fine. But I think what's interesting about a spender archetype is if you can start spending on things that are a bit more effective, it's an amazing archetype to be because you don't let money kind of control, you know, it's, it's there to be deployed and sent back out to the world, which is fine. But obviously, if you're spending on the wrong things, it's bad. And then uh, you've got the avoider. Now, these people are people who have a bit of anxiety around money. So they're anxious when the word money comes or figures or numbers and they don't want to look at their account and all the bills pile up and they just kind of like put it to the side. They're avoiding this whole thing about money. Now, that's a bad one, obviously, because if you avoid it, it's just going to get worse, the problem. So that's that's not ideal. And then you've got the hoarder archetype, which is what I am. And hoarders, they're, they're, quite, they're very good savers. Uh, I'm not an extreme hoarder, but I, that's a tendency of mine to hoard. And that's good because it helps you save. But I'm okay with spending it on stuff. And you know, hoarders don't really like to spend stuff on gifts or clothes or like I wear the same stuff. They don't like to spend on themselves or others. They think it's frivolous and annoying. But on the extreme side of it, I know some of my friends like this, they hold on to so much money, their own money. They don't even spend it on them, on investing in themselves. They don't spend it on shares. They don't spend it on real, nothing. It just piles up in their account. And that's not good either because you've got to multiply your money. And the final one is the money monk. And the money monk is these ones are like where they've grown up around this mindset of that money is the root of all evil. Uh, only rich people are bad. Money is, is dirty. I'm, it's unworthy of it. I'm not all these weird things about money. And they're the types of people that would chain themselves to a tree to save the tree, but they wouldn't use money to go and buy a forest and save all these trees at the same time. So I guess it's just a blockage, a money monk, and uh, it's quite ineffective. So mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're the archetypes, a summary. I love it. And definitely the hoarder as well and learning that and love how you just recently bought a Range Rover. So cool. But it yeah. took you until your car had actually was done, stuffed yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was where the pain of the financial costs and the pain of the, the whole process of owning that older car was more than the pain of actually going to buy another one, you know? So yeah. <laughs> And you start, yeah, you really start to see the money archetypes come out. Like after I learned it, I could start to see the the behaviors coming out. And I'm like, oh, this makes so much 
sense. What would you say would be your number one money book to read that would help people tap into learning more about their spending habits and their behaviors? About this, I think The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clayson is a really good beginner's book. And also the the stories and principles in there are timeless and they've spun into a very ancient biblical story mode. It's not, it's really good. And that, those lessons, I read that book when I was about 18 or 19 and they just, it made a lot of sense. So I think that book would be a great place to start. Mm, what did you learn from that book? Well, the stories kind of implement these great principles into you. So like stuff like um, look after thy purse. So like save money. And there's a stories in the book about this uh, this merchant and he saves money from his carpets that he's selling. And then and then the next lesson is go and take the purse and, and multiply. And so look, he looks at investments and he goes and buys gold. And he it's just those really basic principles, but they're spun in such a great way in the story. You know, things like don't take your personal life to the market and don't take the market to your personal life. Keep them separate. And just wonderful lessons about money and business that I still use them today. I just don't realize I'm doing. And I think one of the greatest lessons from that book is you can live off 90% of your money and still have the same lifestyle as living off 100%. It won't make a difference to you. So tithe 10% and put it away for investments. That's the number one lesson in that book. Wow. That is an aha moment. Can you repeat that again, please? So you can live off 90% of your income and have the same lifestyle as if you were living off 100%, you won't notice a difference. But if you tithe and take that, a tithe is a tenth, okay? So 10% of your money and put it away into a savings account and invest it, you'll be wealthy. It's hmm. the small little things like that over time that make the money. And that's a great lesson from that book. Wow. Which yeah. brings me into my next question. If you could rewind and go back 20 years, what advice would you give yourself on money? <laughs> Oh my goodness. I would have worked after school. Yeah. I would have worked after school. Hard to say that because you're a kid, you know, still a kid in my teens. You, know, so you want to do other things. I always wanted to drive cars and, you know, get it, it. so to say that now, but I would have worked uh, a lot harder and saved harder. And I would have invested in stocks a lot earlier. And I would have started my own little business earlier. Yeah. I would have. I, I think the advice I would have given myself is that the people out there doing well, they're not as good as what you think they are. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing for them. I'm just saying like you can do, you're capable of way more. The stuff that everyone's doing that looks difficult is not that difficult. And so try stuff, go, go for it. Um, I think would be, I mean, it worked out well, but I used to always think, put people on pedestals like, wow, you're amazing. They're not, they're just people who sit down to go to the toilet too and eat with their family every night too. Like they're the same. Do you know what I mean? Like we're all just making it up. They are too. So don't put people on a pedestal and think they're amazing and you're not. Wow, I love it. And we can get so stuck in the comparison game and comparing ourselves to other people and that can hold us down. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're all people and I love what you just said. That's another aha moment. We're all just making it up as we're going along. Yeah, totally. No one's got it together. I mean, you never know what's going on in someone's bank account or their bedroom and you might have this thought process that they're this amazing person that done so well successfully. You don't know if they've got a broken marriage or a or no, no relationship with their children. Like there's so many things that you have, they don't. And so you can't compare yourself. Everyone's got a different journey they're going on, just as long as you're happy on your journey. So don't mm. compare is a good lesson. Um, yeah, I think I was going to say something. It's gone. It's escaped me. Mm. Oh, look, I don't think people work as hard as what you think they do. And they don't read as much as what you can. And 
the success is largely a matter of who you've met for the day or the week and how many books you've read. And that's how you get smarter and invest in yourself. And there's a very few people actually do that stuff. So it's easier to get ahead than what you think. Mm, and I remember because I lived with you for a few years, this is about 10 years ago, and I would watch you read and read and read. And you said something to me that has embodied in me now where it's that if you just read enough books, you'll always get ahead of people. The knowledge, Yeah, the knowledge is there in the books, but it's just about that people have spent one book, they've spent years and years and years of their life. Like your, you, for example, your book, Money Grows on Trees, that's not a book that you learned the knowledge in one year. It's the knowledge that you've learned in 20 yeah. plus years and the books and books and books and books that you've read, like hundreds of books that you've put together in one small book that we can read in just a couple of hours and gain that knowledge. And that's getting ahead. And I remember when you told me that, I just started reading and reading and reading. <laughs> it's so interesting you picked that up because, and I'm glad you're a reader because leaders are readers. And I don't know anyone who's wildly successful who doesn't read. And the other thing is that if you don't read, it's the same as can't read. And if you can't read, you are in big trouble out in the world. So if you're not picking up books, you may as well not have ever taught how to read or write. And reading and writing and adding up is just still the most wildly amazing skill set you can have to make money. So the reason why my book is so short, it's only 60 pages, is because most people don't read anymore. And so it's, it's, it's very affordable and it's small and easy and simple and filled with the, most, the best stuff, the simple stuff you need to get into action. Because people left school and they just haven't picked up a book. That's why they're not successful in various areas of their life. They're just not because they're not learning off people that have gone before them and not standing on the shoulders of giants, and which is dumb. There's no other word to say it. It's ignorant and dumb. So to not, to not learn from previous generations and people who have gone before you to, be, to live a better life. It's crazy. Wow. So many aha moments. I absolutely love this. So tell us where can we grab your book? Yeah, so... Uh, you can grab my book at lloydjross.com. Uh, it's digital, so don't freak out. But don't come to your house, not physical. It's, it doesn't take long. It's got a couple of hours you can read it and get into action. So you go there to get it. And then tune into the podcast, Money Grows on Trees. And um, I think you'll love both. Love it, Lloyd. You are absolutely incredible. Any last words that you love to say? Well, you can only grow your income to the extent you grow yourself. And growing yourself means spending money on things to up your game, level up, gain knowledge, listening to this podcast that Mel's doing. And, you know, modeling stuff that she's doing. And, and I want to say well done to you to, to doing something that's new. I know this is your first podcast and it's outside your comfort zone. And this is how wealth is made by doing stuff that scares you and doing amazing things and bringing on people. And so kudos to you. I, you know, I'm going to subscribe and leave a great review. Love it. You heard the man himself. Subscribe, leave a good review. <laughs> we love it. It's all about growing and about getting uncomfortable. And this is where it all starts. If you want to do something, you just got to do it. Be messy at the beginning. And that's what it's all, all about. And I think just realizing at the end of the day, no matter what, it's all about just taking your mask off, showing up as you because you are enough. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Rediscover You podcast. If you loved the show, then subscribe to it on iTunes and leave a five-star review. If you had an aha moment from this episode, then share the love with your friends. Screenshot this episode, send it to a friend, share it on your story, and make sure to tag Melissa on Instagram at TheMelFernandez. And if no one has told you lately, Melissa wants to remind you that you are enough.